This is Father Robert Barron. Friends, I invite you to reflect with me on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a non-for-profit apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization. We utilize media, both old and new, to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. Through our efforts, we hope to take the gospel out into the peripheries of the culture, where the transformative power of God's Word is most needed. Let us open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each one of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might share the warmth and light of Jesus Christ, who is the Word on Fire. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you, and happy season of Lent. We commence the holy season of Lent today a time of kind of back to basics. I always think of, of Lent and Advent as a time to move into the basics of the spiritual life. And it's wonderful that on this first Sunday of the holy season of Lent, the church invites us to meditate on the story of Noah. Because this story, I think, is a way to get back to the essentials of the spiritual life. This well-known narrative provides a sort of interpretive key to the rest of the Bible, and indeed, I would say, to the life of the church to the present day. So we'll look at some of its key features. First of all, just a little bit of background. Almost all the other ancient accounts of creation contain some measure of dualism. What I mean is they usually hinge upon the battle between forces of good and forces of evil. But there's none of that in the Bible. God brings the whole of the created order into being and pronounces every bit of it good. God does not stand over and against some rival reality. And nothing that exists is in itself wicked. Think of all that God creates from the, the planets and the stars to the earth and the sea, the animals, even the insects that crawl upon the earth. They're all good. Moreover, human beings are seen as integrally related to all the non-elements of creation, indeed to the planets, the stars, animals, plants, and insects, because Adam is given the task of dominion, which is best rendered really as stewardship. He is now to care as a good king for all of creation. As I've said before, too, he's to function as a kind of high priest, praising God on his own behalf, but also on behalf of all creation. That's why the Genesis account of all the things coming forth from God in this orderly manner is meant to be read as a kind of liturgical procession, at the end of which comes the human being as a sort of high priest. So a priest and a king, a human being integrally related to all of creation, all of it focused upon God in praise and thanksgiving. That's the biblical witness of what the world's supposed to be like. So, what went wrong? The scriptural answer is sin, which is to say human dysfunction. More precisely, a refusal of those great tasks that God gave to human beings. Human beings became bad stewards of creation, not caring for God's earth and, and creatures, but rather lording it over them. 
They also became bad priests, falling into ego-driven violence and the worship of false gods. Now, what's the result of that? The result of it in the biblical vision is a kind of undoing of creation. This beautiful order that God has established is undone through sin. And that's what the flood symbolizes. Remember in the very beginning of Genesis, it says that God's spirit hovers over the tohu vabohu, and that's Hebrew for the, the watery chaos. God brings order from the chaos. But sin invites the tohu vabohu back. The, the flood waters of the Noah story are evocative of this destructive power of sin, which undoes the good order of creation. Keep in mind, I said this before, I think, that ancient Israel was frightened of the water. Read the texts. You know, they, they were afraid to venture out deeply into the water. They, they hugged the shore if they had to travel by water. And so the flood represents this frightening, destructive undoing of creation. Don't read this as divine anger in itself. Rather, read it as spiritual physics. Following inevitably from sin is this undoing of creation. It's true then. It's true now. So what did God do? Well, he did what he always does throughout salvation history. He sent a rescue operation. God's never satisfied to leave creation in this uh, destroyed, devastated state. What did he do now? He found the one righteous man left and gave him a peculiar assignment to build this great ark, which would then carry uh, the animals of the world. Many have commented on this. I think it's fascinating is how Noah must have seemed a laughingstock. He must have seemed a fool on the public stage as he built this giant boat in the middle of a desert. See, here's the thing, everybody, is doing the will of God in the midst of a devastated world will always look weird. See, because people get used to the devastation. That's the only world you know. That's how you operate in the devastated world. You start building a boat in the middle of a desert, you look like an idiot. See, that's the point. Noah is building something according to God's will and purpose. But that will always look odd in the midst of the devastated world. When you're following God's will, don't expect the whole world to applaud. In fact, expect a lot of derision from the world. I often tell my students here at the seminary, those who are considering a life of celibacy, remember Noah how foolish he seemed building his boat in the middle of the desert. So fools for Christ to the present day will seem odd in the eyes of the world. Now, onto the ark come representatives of all the animal species, as well as Noah and his family. What are we seeing here symbolically expressed? We're seeing the deeply integrated vision of the Bible. Salvation is never simply a matter 
of setting things right for human beings. That's a sort of modernism. You know, the turn to the subject, the turn to the individual, and so on. A very human-centric view of life. But that's not the Bible. As we see from page one of Genesis, the human is situated within the context of a much wider creation. God's salvific will has to do with the whole of creation. And so notice, please, what God is preserving on Noah's Ark is a microcosm of his good order, even in the midst of the tohu vabohu. A remnant, if you want, a safe haven where something of his good order is preserved in the midst of a chaotic world. And see, this is precisely why the church fathers saw Noah as a type of Christ and the Ark of Noah as a type of both the temple and the church. What am I talking about? The church at its best is the place where a remnant of God's good order is preserved in the midst of a fallen world. The same is true, by the way, of the Jerusalem temple. That's why all the tribes went up to Jerusalem, to the temple. And there they worshiped God, they found communion with each other, they became rightly ordered through prayer and sacrifice. They returned then to their ordinary lives, which are often marked by sin and dysfunction, but they came to the temple to find renewal. Same way that we come to the church today to experience a sort of remnant, a microcosm of what God wants. It's why, furthermore, the medieval architects designed their cathedrals to look like great ships, why the central aisles of those cathedrals were called naves, from novice, meaning boat. The idea was stay on the boat of the church and you'll find peace and salvation in the midst of the tohu vabohu. Notice, please, now, and it's good for us now, the beginning of Lent, to think about this. As you gather on the great boat of the church for Mass, people come together from all walks of life, from all social strata, from both genders, from a variety of educational backgrounds, etc. Notice how this is in stark contrast to the fallen world in which rivalry, division, ostracization, separation hold sway. When we come together for Mass, furthermore, we sing in harmony. It's in sharp contrast to the fallen world in which rancorous discord dominates. More to it, as we gather for Mass, we acknowledge our sins and give glory to God in the highest. One of the marks of the sinful world is an unwillingness to accept the fact of sin. I think it's on massive display, especially today. Nobody wants to be blamed. Everyone's a victim, but no one's responsible. To acknowledge our sin is one of the marks of a, of a healthy religious consciousness. And we give glory to God in the highest at Mass. In distinction to the world where everything else is given glory in the highest. Sex, pleasure, money, power, fame, etc. As we come under the Noah's Ark of the Church, 
we sit attentively and listen to the word of the Lord. The fallen world listens to every voice but that of the Lord. Listen to every guru, every teacher, every influence, every sound and voice but that of the Lord. Then as we stay on the Noah's Ark of the church, we offer gifts, evocative of the whole creation. Right? As we bring bread and wine forward, to say bread is to say wheat, to say wheat is to say the seed, to say the seed is to say the earth, to say the earth is to say the, the wind and the rain and the sun, to say all of that is to say the solar system. When we bring these gifts forward, we're saying we're bringing all creation back to the Lord. The fallen world clings to the goods of the world, turning them to selfish ends. When we give creation back to God, it returns to us elevated and multiplied 30, 60, and 100-fold. The fallen world has forgotten this link to the spiritual order. And then finally, in the Noah story, when the floodwaters recede, the ark comes to rest, Noah's move is to open all the windows, open all the doors, and let the life out. See, that's the idea is a remnant of God's good order was preserved during the flood. But then when the floodwaters receded, out the life came. So when you leave the Mass, you hear the words, Go, the Mass has ended. Go, announce the gospel of the Lord. Go, glorify the Lord by your life. The life preserved in the church is meant now to flood the world and thereby to remake it. Those are some pretty basic and I think very important spiritual lessons. And looking at, at life, looking at the world through the lens of the story of, of Noah is extraordinarily clarifying and a very good way to commence our practice of Lent. And God bless all of you. Thank you for listening to The Word on Fire. I hope that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor. Until we meet again next week, I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Friends, I'd like to invite you to visit my free YouTube channel and join over 40,000 subscribers. Each week I post video commentaries on topics ranging from Catholic teaching to world news to pop culture. Subscribe free and you'll receive my newest videos straight to your inbox. Just visit youtube.com slash wordonfirevideo.